0: Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, christianquestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Earl
1: Wilson once said, Ever notice that the whisper of temptation can be heard farther than the loudest call of duty? Welcome to Christian Questions. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. You might say that ours is a long-term approach, as we've been broadcasting the good news of the gospel for over 19 years.
2: Um, Jonathan, and that long-term different perspective has its basis in three things, godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Rick, today is our 986th broadcast, and we've talked the gospel with listeners on several talk radio stations throughout the eastern and central United States For many years.
1: And we figured it was time to bring the good news to the whole world by way of podcasting, so here we are. We thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, website messages, Facebook, and our chat board. So folks, let's get started. Jonathan, what's the question for today's podcast?
2: Well, Rick, the question is, how do I deal with enticing temptations, and our theme text is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it.
1: Okay, so you hear the word temptation. What do you think of? Now, for some of us, it might be best to not answer this question out loud. For others, it might be dark chocolate, Mm. uh (laughs) or getting even, or pushing the envelope, or wanting to take what is not ours. In every case, temptation is directly built upon our human desires, and our human desires left unfettered will continually fabricate webs of attraction, entitlement, and deceit. These webs are binding, sticky, and tenacious, and once we allow ourselves to touch them, we may find ourselves too close to walk away, too weak to resist, and too willing to try it out. You know, just this once. Temptation has shattered many relationships, disrupted many positive pathways, and broken the contentment of many lives. Temptation is unfortunately not only alive and well, it is being fed, fostered, and flaunted by our present society. Great, Rick. Now, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good question. How do we get that temptation genie back into its bottle? And you know, temptation is very much like a genie. It's it's fabricated. Do you ever notice with the genie, Jonathan, when the people get their wishes, nothing ever good comes of it? Absolutely. All yes, right, then. There's just a that. little bit of a, a little bit of a parallel there. I'm just saying. <laughs> What about our uh, chat room, Jonathan?
2: Okay. Um, Well, Christian Questions is pleased to announce the opening of our new chat room on our website, available during our live broadcast. Simply go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live for the live audio and chat room. Chat with fellow listeners around the world, and we may even include your comments on air.
1: Okay. So, it's important to get your comments going with us, again, at christianquestions.com. That's where the chat will happen. We'd love to get you going in that conversation. But Jonathan, let's get started with our conversation here uh, by looking at one of the classic apparent contradictions of Scripture. And, and, and let me just say that there are a lot of places where you look at Scripture and you say, ah, the Bible contradicts itself. That is a common thought and a common theme that so many people bring up and try to flaunt, um, um, it, you know, in, in terms of uh, things going on. Actually, before we get to this, though, Jonathan, and, and thanks, for, thanks for the note on that. Jonathan just flashed me a note here. Folks, we just want to take a moment and uh, just recall, today is September 11th, 2017. Sixteen years ago today, uh, the world changed, The world changed. You probably remember where you were and what you were doing 16 years ago today when the terrorist attack on the United States brought down the buildings, uh, destroyed part of the Pentagon, and the other plane crashed, and all of those things happened afterwards. And uh, It, it was a
2: heartbreaking
1: day. It was. It really was a heartbreaking day. And, you know, you never want to forget things like that. You always want to just pause and consider and think about those who suffered such great loss. 2,970 some odd people died that day. People who had nothing to do with anything, just going about their business because evil struck. And uh, again, we want to uh, give our respects to that, as well as, you know, it's been a busy time of year. You know, R- Hurricane Irma, you know, just went plowing through the state of Florida, and you've got millions of people that are displaced, without power, and a, in, a, in a disadvantaged state right now, and we, our thoughts and prayers want to go out to those folks as well.
2: And also, many of those little islands, even before it got to Florida, the devastation, right. the 28 deaths before it reached uh, florida yeah
1: yeah you know it so, and, oh, and, and, goes out to everyone right and, and you know and this is two weeks after hurricane harvey and you yeah. think about it and, and folks we're actually doing a podcast in a few weeks on natural disasters is, is god sending us a message with natural disasters so please watch for that because a lot of this it makes you start to think and start to question and there are some good scriptural answers having said all of that now let's get back to this classic apparent contradiction of Scripture. And the, the, the contradiction is, does God tempt us or test us? Or does he not tempt us or test us? It depends on what Scripture you read. For the yes, you can, yes he can argument, we can read Matthew 6, 13, which is part of the Lord's Prayer.
2: And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil.
1: Okay, do not lead us into temptation S- clearly indicates that he can, and you're asking him not to, all right? On the right. surface, we're gonna say on the surface. The other scriptures, no, God will not and cannot tempt you, and that's spoken in James
2: 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt
1: anyone. All right. So which is it? Can he lead us into temptation? Or can God not even tempt anyone anywhere at any time? Which is it? We need to, to, to break this down. Jonathan, there's two slightly different words for temptation in these verses. They're both related to the same root word, so they're very, very similar in definition. Lead us not into temptation. What is that word?
2: It means a putting to proof and by implication, adversity.
1: Okay, a putting to proof, a testing, if you will. And the other word, very, very similar, uh, where it says, uh, Let no one say when he is tempted, they're being tempted by God because God does not tempt anyone. That word means
2: to test, endeavor, scrutinize, entice, discipline.
1: Okay, so what does all of that mean? Does God lead us into temptation? Can he or can he not? These two scriptures don't seem to go together. They actually do, and we will lay that out in in just a few minutes. First, let's begin our journey uh, of sound bites. We're going to go to one particular story today. This comes from How to Face Temptation, Ascension Presents.com on YouTube. And it's a great rendition of a uh, story, Greek mythology, that really enhances the point that we're going to be making through our podcast today about temptation. So let's just get a little bit of intro- introduction into this again from How to Face Temptation, from Ascension Presents. Com.
3: Um, one of the things that I think every single one of us experiences is we experience um, temptation. Uh, obviously, that's kind of like a no-brainer, right? Um, but what we don't always experience is wisdom in the face of temptation. Like, what do you do in the face of temptation? There's a number of options. There is this ancient Greek myth of the sirens. And the, who are the sirens? The sirens were these two like, half-bird, half-women type creatures. Um, and they were ugly. They were hideous. They were monsters, essentially, who would lure men to their deaths. Like, why would these men be lured to their deaths by monsters. Well, the sirens would sing and they would sing this beautiful sounding um, music that when men heard this, they would look at the sirens and their sirens appearance would change from being monsters to being like, you know, incredibly beautiful, incredibly attractive. And so these men would throw their lives away on this illusory beauty, right? They would throw their lives away on evil passing itself off as something good.
1: And there is where temptation is captured in that story. So while it's just a story, it really does hold a very profound thought for us.
2: And Rick, that reminds me of 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of
1: light. Okay, you've got that. Someone evil looking like it's good. Yeah, and, and there's no better way to get to somebody... Uh, if, if you are evil, then to present yourself as something that you're not, so you you, you create that drawing. And we're, and we're going to develop that, a good scripture, though, to, to base these thoughts on. So, Jonathan, that word for temptation has a lot of different meanings, a putting to the proof, adversity, to test, to endeavor, to scrutinize, entice, to discipline, all of those things. Let's take a look at several scriptures that use those words for temptation in different ways. First is going to be 1 Peter 4.12, and this is a very common scripture for Christians in terms of dealing with their trials and their difficulties.
2: Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing were happening unto you.
1: Okay, as the fiery trial, which is to try you, which is to tempt you, if you will. This is the word for temptation being used as a proving ground. The, the trial is to prove you. It's to show what you're made of. It's to dig down below the surface and find the character. Now, sometimes, Jonathan, that might not end as well as we'd like it to.
2: No. <laughs> we all fall short.
1: Yeah. And, and underneath the surface, we'd like it to be strength, but sometimes it's not. And that's why you need to have these experiences so we can understand where we're not strong and do the things that are necessary to help that to change. Next scripture will be Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and this is about Jesus uh, going into the wilderness uh, before his ministry actually begins.
2: Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil.
1: Okay, so now this is the same one of those words, but it's not used in a positive sense. You know, when, it's, when you talk about uh, fire trial, which is to try you, that's a positive sense. It's to prove you. Here, this is the enticing part of the word. That's right. Satan's objective wasn't to say, let me see how good Jesus really is. His objective was to say, let me see where I can get him off of his track. Let me see where I can trip him, where I can get him thinking about the wrong thing and take his mind off the right thing so I can get what I want. That's the enticing use of the word, Satan trying to trip Jesus up. And now we go to a third use of these, this word in its different forms in 2 Corinthians 13.5.
2: Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates.
1: So now this is the scrutinizing use of the word. And it's interesting that the the word that used for Satan tempting Jesus is the exact word for examine, to examine yourself. So we're not telling ourselves, and folks, get this straight. Hear me clearly. The scripture is not telling us, entice yourself. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's saying (laughs) scrutinize yourself. Look at yourself critically to understand test yourself to see what am I made of seriously scrutinize your thoughts and behavior look at them and say okay is there weakness there should there should I have acted and reacted that way in a you know when I'm looking at it from a god honoring perspective so when jesus teaches us to pray lead us not into temptation we can see that the words have a lot of different shades of meaning. So, there was a a good um, couple of lines from Adam Clark's commentary on that verse from the Lord's Prayer. Jonathan, let's just touch on those quickly here.
2: And lead us not into temptation, that is, bring us not into sore trial. Bring us not in, or lead us not in. This is a mere Hebraism god is said to do a thing which he only permits or suffers to be done
1: all right that last line is really important in a lot of scripture god is said to do a thing which he only permits or allows to happen and by god allowing it he is said to do it but they're not saying he did it it's just the way they express it so in the same way the word has different shades of meaning some very positive some very negative it's again. It's understanding the ancient Hebrew language and how it's used to say, okay, now this can start to make a little bit more sense. Okay, so this Hebraism, God is said to do a thing which He only permits or suffers to be done, helps to put it in perspective. So now these two scriptures are beginning to look like, oh wait, maybe they don't contradict each other so dramatically as we originally thought. So let, let's go back to them. Matthew six thirteen. Let's read that again.
2: And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from evil.
1: Okay, so perhaps Jesus is saying, God, do not permit us to be in sore trials without your hand delivering us from the evil of those trials that comes from Satan. Because the phrase after you can't forget, but deliver us from evil. So it's like instead of God, you know, praying to God, don't lead us into temptation, the thought really is, don't leave us. In temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptation is going to come, so the prayer is actually a profound prayer that says, "Yes, I am going to be tempted. I am going to be tested. That's going to come. God is not going to put those enticements on top of me. They're going to come as a result of who I am, dear Lord. As they come, help me through them. Deliver me from evil, because you know it's your will that I want." Not my will that I want. That's an important factor in this whole prayer, Jonathan.
2: Oh, wow! That that really um, changes the understanding of that verse.
1: And it becomes, and again, it's being spoken from the standpoint of wanting to do God's will. I mean, the whole Lord's Prayer is about God's will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, reverenced is your name, it talks about God's kingdom coming, his will being done, it talks about, you know, our r- responsibility to others, and then it, it's all about lifting ourselves up. So it does, it makes so much more sense that way. So now, uh, going back um, to James, uh, we, we read James one thirteen. let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted by evil, he himself does not tempt anyone. Well, let's read James 1.12, the verse before, because it puts it in perspective.
2: Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him.
1: Okay, that word for trial is the same word as temptation, lead us not into temptation. So this, this testing time, this period of difficulty, this is what we have to be looking out for. So this brings us to our first temptation revelation. Jonathan, what is it?
2: Temptation is a hard testing Spurned on by either good or evil, that challenges the very core of our character and our loyalty to godly principles.
1: Okay, so temptation is a hard testing and it's spurred on by it can be either good or evil. So if temptation is a hard test, then we face it all the time and every day.
2: That can be kind of scary. So, no matter where temptation or testing comes from, we need to face it. How do we do that?
0: We're uncovering the truth scripture by scripture while gathering information from across today's media landscape with our vast CQ team of contributors. We want to hear from you, our listeners, for more contribution to our conversations. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com or message us through the Christian Questions app and our producers may read your comments over the air. Let's continue working through our topic with all our tools. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together.
1: As Christians, our ability to face temptation grows out of our application of the basic tenets of Christianity, which are all about putting God's will and God's way first in every area of our lives. This sounds like a simple thing to do, but in reality, it is one of the greatest challenges of our everyday discipleship. It is a great challenge. So let's get practical. Let's get down to it. How do we do that? How do we resist uh, temptations um, when, when they come into our lives? First of all, Jonathan, a great quote from H.L. Men- 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 Menklin. Or something, Menklin. Very
2: good. Yeah, sure. temptation is an irres- irresistible force at work on a movable body.
1: So this force is just comes at you, and it comes at you, and it comes at you, and it comes at you. And folks, look if if you are in a situation where you you're tempted, you know what we're talking about here. It doesn't relent because it's something that touches you and even though it's a movable body this irresistible force it, it just it surrounds it and attacks it james explains the role of our desires in our lives and the inherent temptation to follow them and this is important jonathan because he makes some statements here that really reveal the 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 diabolical nature of our human nature in so many ways this is james chapter four verses one through three
2: what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your
1: members? Okay, let, let, let's pause it right there after verse 1. What, why are you having troubles? What is wrong with you guys? Why are you having troubles amongst you? Is it not the source of, the, of your own pleasures that wage war in your members? So what he's saying is, Brothers and sisters, you are getting in your own way because you're allowing your humanity and its fallen desires to interfere with your godly fellowship. What are you doing?
2: And Rick, that reminds me of the three enemies of of the Christian walk, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all of those really encompass pleasures, the pleasures in the world, the pleasures of our flesh. And Satan wants us to be alive and well in those areas instead of following Jesus.
1: Yeah, and, and, and there, there's so much to that. that. That's a whole subject matter in itself, the world, the flesh, the devil, and then the scripture, and I think it's in 1 John that talks about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I mean, all of these things are where our temptations come from. So James continues now in James chapter 4. Let's go to verses 2 and 3. Listen, Listen to how he carefully describes the source of their problems.
2: You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures.
1: So you think about this. James is talking to dedicated Christians, and he's saying you lust and don't have, so you commit murder. Now, are they out there murdering each other physically? No, no. They were murdering each other's characters, though. That's by, right. By evil, by, evil speaking, right. um, slander right. one uh, to another. So you are envious, and you cannot obtain their their fleshly desires were in the way of their spiritual growth, and they you you can't have. Both. And that's the thing. How do I deal with enticing temptations? One of the ways to deal with them is to understand you've got to be thinking about something bigger. And, and incidentally, I just want to go back for a quick second to the the date. You know, September 11th. It's 2017, but 16 years ago, you know, the buildings came down. We just went through the hurricane uh, Irma a few weeks ago. Was uh, was Hurricane Harvey? Have you noticed what happens after those big tragedies? people tend to forget about themselves. They get out of themselves because they're thinking about something bigger, something more important in their lives. And they dedicate themselves to others. That's one of the great ways to avoid temptation.
2: What a beautiful thing it is, Rick.
1: And what a sad thing that it takes such dramatic tragedy for us to do that. And James is even talking to Christians in the old days saying, you guys have got to get over yourselves. So... so. James explains, once he explains how our unchecked desires ruin us, and he really did a good job on those three verses, he then explains the elements that make up the formula to overcome temptation. And so, Jonathan, there are going to be seven elements in the following verses, James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And we're just going to break them up into little bullet points, and then we're going to go back over them uh, as we go through the rest of this podcast. So, James 4, 7 through 10, in little, little mouthfuls. Go ahead.
2: Submit, therefore, to God.
1: Okay, stop right there. Submit to God. There is something special about starting with submitting to God. That's James 4, the first half of verse 7. Let's go to the second half of verse 7.
2: Resist the
1: devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, you submit to God, and then you have the ability to begin to resist the devil. What's next?
2: Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you.
1: And again, there's a process here that James is laying out, and I think too often we read this whole thing and say it's all one thing, but it's broken up into very specific steps. Submit, resist, now draw near to God.
2: Cleanse your hands, you sinners.
1: All right, there's action after the drawing near that's really important. What's next?
2: And purify your hearts, you double-minded.
1: Okay, double-minded. Now, we're going to talk about this a little later, but understand That temptation, when we begin to entertain and or succumb to temptation, as a Christian, we are being double-minded. A double-minded man, James says, is unstable in all of his ways. You can't go two directions. You just can't do it. What's next?
2: Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom.
1: Oh, that sounds really exciting <laughs> and fun. <laughs> and then, what's the last one?
2: Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Hey, Rick, these are a lot of great points, but to remember them, that's a hard thing. Yep. So you need to go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind. Hit the newsletter tab, register For the CQ Rewind outline, it's full of graphics and illustrations. It's a topical Bible study on this subject, specifically temptation. You need to guard yourself from it. These seven points you need to bring to memory in your mind, and that's the best way to do it with CQ
1: Rewind. All right, it's a free service available at ChristianQuestions.com, or if you have the Christian Questions app, you can get it through the Christian Questions app. And I just might add, if you don't have the Christians app, Christian Questions app. Well, what are you waiting for? It's going to make your smartphone smarter. It's a free app. Just go to your Google App Store or go to, um, for the Apple phone, it's what, it's an I, I, iTunes or wherever it is? iTunes, yes. Thank you, Jewel. iTunes. So get the app, just get it, just put it on your phone so it's always there, always ready for you. So you can rewind the full edition. Check it out, uh, give it a try. All right, so Jonathan, we've got these points and you know we're, we're looking at the idea of our personal desires being the source of our temptations, which is not a good thing according to James. So what's our next temptation revelation?
2: We are regular people with regular enticements. God is faithfully watching us and caring and gives us the power to endure.
1: Okay. We are like everybody else. So we're subject to the same things that everybody else is subject to. Face the fact and then deal with it. And the thing is, God is faithfully watching. He is faithfully overseeing and he can and will help us if we let him. How do we let him? Let's let's get to get to the point on that. So let's go back to our Greek uh, mythology there. Remember this was about the sirens, these 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 evil dark creatures that would as the sailors would sail by, they would sing this beautiful song and and and, and, and transform themselves into such incredible beauty that these men would just give up their lives and and, and go toward them. They could not resist. That's how beautiful they looked and how beautiful they sounded. So how do you get past them? Well, well, in, in the Greek uh, the, the mythological story, there is a way. Let's listen.
3: How do we survive temptation? Well, um, in kind of the ancient Greek myths, there are three sets of people who end up surviving the call of the sirens. Um, the first is Ulysses or Odysseus and his men. Coming back from the Trojan Wars, Ulysses and his men are going to pass by the sirens and so they get warned ahead of time. They're given this beeswax and so Ulysses says, OK, men, take these beeswax, warm it up, put it in your ears so that you can't hear the sirens' song when, you dro- when, you, when we go by. But what he was going to do is he was said, but if you want to listen to them, if you want to listen to the sirens' songs and see how beautiful it is and see how beautiful they look when you, when you hear them sing, what you need to do is have your men lash you to the mast. And so Ulysses does. He wants to hear the siren song, and he has his men lash him to the mast.
1: You know, Jonathan, things like that don't tend to work out well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, they don't. But you know,
1: so but the idea is, okay, there's the beeswax that says, I can't hear it. I, I'm not looking, I'm not hearing it, I'm not allowing myself in any way to be a part of it. That's a good thing. That's a good place to start. And actually, folks, we're gonna feature the seven steps. Uh, for resisting temptation from an article from wikihow.com, wikihow.com called How to Deal with Temptation. And it's interesting that these seven steps, and we came upon this, one, one one of our CQ support team sent me the article. And it had these seven step headings and then descriptions. And then when you look at the scripture in James, it was broken out into seven pieces. And Jonathan, I didn't plan this, okay? But the seven steps and the seven pieces of James fit together just perfectly. Oh, nice. So we're going to go through both of them together to lay out the process for dealing with temptation. This is a springboard for us to be able to better deal with temptation. So the first step from the How to Deal with Temptation article from wikihow.com, and incidentally that article will be in Seeker Rewind, the bonus material at the end. So again, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, sign up if you haven't already. What's the first step in that article?
2: Recognize potential temptation.
1: Okay. And so you've got to have your eyes open to be able to see something that's potentially a temptation. Well, remember, in James chapter 4, verse 7, the first point was, submit therefore to God. And I would submit to you that by submitting to God, your ability to recognize temptation increases dramatically. Because now you're thinking, you're, you're, you're guided by something bigger and higher than you are. So, Jonathan, we're going to go through a, a biblical story, which is not a good one. And this is an example of what we are not only to avoid, what we should run away from as far and as fast as we can as we go through this particular story. And if you know your scriptures, you probably know what story we're going to tell. Let's go to Second Samuel chapter 11, uh, verses one, of, 1 and 2. This is a story about King David and one of the greatest sins, I think, that's recorded in scripture by a human being.
2: Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But But David stayed in Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed
1: and walked around on the roof of the king's house. Okay, pause right there for a second. So it says, in the springtime when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants out to battle. Now, the question is, if it's when the kings go out to battle, why is David not going to lead his troops into battle?
2: That's a good question.
1: And the answer is, uh, we don't know the specific answer, but there's got to be a lethargy and a laziness and a, and a sort of a sense of, of power that says, I'll let them do it. I don't need to do that now. So he's at home he's not where he's supposed to be, and so one night he's just walking around on the roof of his king's house, you know, sort of minding his own business, and what does he see
2: and From the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in
1: appearance okay, so King David and as as we talk about this, I want to continually refer to him as King david because remember god did not want israel to have a king he is the second king israel has ever had saul didn't work out so well okay as the first king king david was in trouble as his laziness his lethargy uh is not leading his troops um that laziness and lethargy positioned him for his selfish thinking here he sees this beautiful woman and he's attracted okay now look he's a man He's attracted to the beauty of a woman. It's pretty simple stuff. It's a pretty simple human equation happening here. So you've got to be really careful. Now, the first step was recognize potential temptation. It was there to be recognized. Submit, therefore, to God. It's there so we can submit ourselves to something higher. Our recognition of temptation is far clearer when we are focused on God's ways, not ours. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3.
2: How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers.
1: I love these scriptures, Jonathan, because there's a process. First, you're walking in the counsel of the wicked. You're kind of walking along, kind of going about your business. And then you're standing in the path of sinners. You've been slowed down to a standstill by this entertainment of something that's not good, and then now you're sitting in the seat of scoffers. You've gotten comfortable. And that's what happened to King David. He allowed that process to slow him down and sit him down, and he got too comfortable with the wrong things. What's next?
2: But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does... He prospers.
1: Okay, so blessed is the man who doesn't go through that process of walking, then standing, then sitting, but rather delights in the law of the Lord. Again, the James scripture, submit therefore to God. The, the, the wiki article, recognize potential temptation. Put yourself in a position where you're seeing bigger and, and, and stronger than just from within yourself. You're seeing things from without yourself from God's standpoint. Let's go to our temptation revelation for this particular point of recognizing potential temptation and submitting, therefore, to God.
2: Personal focus and attention highlight what we do not have and give temptation an open door to fill the void. Godly focus and attention fill us and leave no extra room.
1: All right. So when we're starting to focus on ourselves, personal focus and attention, we highlight what we do not have and temptation therefore just works its way in. Because if there's something you don't have and it's something you want to have, then temptation just, just brings itself in front of your face. So godly focus and attention fill us. And there's no room for all of that, but that's hard to do. And this is just the first step. So there's a whole lot more to this. So if we think godly thoughts, uh, you'd think that we'd be all set.
2: Okay, fine. But what about taking care of myself? If me focusing on myself invites temptation, does that mean I should never ever think about me?
0: As we try to stay on track with research, sometimes you go down unexpected roads. That's part of education, debates, and differing opinions. You just can't take everyone at their word, and oftentimes you have to consider the other side of the story. That's why we're always asking our listeners to give their opinions on the questions we're answering. Message us at ChristianQuestions.com or through the Christian Questions app. Speaking of the other side... Time to go in reverse with a CQ Contradiction.
1: So, okay, to think about ourselves or not to think about ourselves. Well, we need to focus on and think about ourselves regularly. The point here is not to avoid thinking about yourself, but rather the point is to clearly think about yourself through the mind of Christ. Look at what you are, what you have, what you need, and place all. All of those things in the context of God's overruling care for you. Not some of those things, all of those things. And Jonathan, if you want to deal with enticing temptations, if you want to overcome them, we have to play by the rules. Because temptations don't care about the rules. As a matter of fact, temptations are expert at bending, breaking, and throwing the rules away. It's something called rationalization. And we as human beings are really good at it. So uh, if you remember, in our, in our uh, Greek mythology, the, the, um, the, 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 the ship is going by and, 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 and the, the captain says to uh, his shipmates, okay, put this beeswax in your ear so you can't hear the sirens sing because it's so beautiful and enticing. But he wants to hear, okay, so he's going to lash himself to the mast so he, he can't jump into the water and ruin his life. But he wants to hear. He wants to, he, he's so curious, he can't resist it. So let, let's just kind of look at, at that, because, Jonathan, that's not going down a very smart
3: road. As they row by, Ulysses can hear the sirens, and he looks over, and, and it describes, it says that uh, um, to him they were as beautiful as Helen of Troy, um, and he, he's yelling at his men, untie me, untie me, I want to go, I want to die. he wants to dive off into the water. Now, the men who have their ears you know, stopped up, ears plugged with beeswax, they look over and they just see two monsters who are, you know, look like they're shrieking out um, at, at the men. But Ulysses wants to dive off. This is two ways to deal with temptation. One is Ulysses. It's not a very good way. It's the idea of like, okay, so I don't, I don't want to do the thing, so I'm going to restrict myself, but I, I want a little taste. That's good to have the restrictions on myself. It's good to have this, these kind of guardians or blocks in me. But what Ulysses had done was very unwise. He, he didn't want to eat. He just wanted a taste.
1: And Jonathan, I, we can safely say that if we start to go down that road, uh, we will eventually go over the edge. You're right. You know, in, in, in the mythology, Ulysses, I know he's passing by there once. You know, if you pass by there on a regular basis, it would eventually get to him. I don't need to tie myself so tight because I can restrain myself. And, and eventually, And then you eventually go over. That's what happened to King David. That's what happened to King David, and we're going to find that out in a moment. But let's go back to that article uh, from uh, How to Deal with Temptation from wikihow.com. The first point was recognize potential temptation. What's the second point?
2: Well, Rick, it's remove yourself from
1: temptation. Okay, remove yourself. So you've got to recognize potential temptation, and the next point is to remove yourself from it. And when you look at the James scripture, James chapter 4, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when you remove yourself, what you're doing is you're resisting the devil. You're resisting all that is evil and you're, you're, you're pushing back at it saying, no, that can't happen here. That's what we should do. Now, let's go to the example of David, which is the wrong example, but it proves a tremendous point. Rather than walking away, King David not only gawked at the woman, he awakened and entertained his lustful thoughts. And he, as king, overrode all goodness, all propriety, and all honor and made his desire a reality. Okay? He had the opportunity to walk away. He didn't. He gawked. And he, he put himself in that position. First, there was the stark reality of who it was that was the object of his desire. And, and, Jonathan, there are facts that come out in this story, and every fact is screaming at him, isn't it? No, 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 stay away. That's right. Every fact is powerfully screaming at him that this is wrong. Here's what happens, okay? Second Samuel chapter 11, now verses 3 to 5.
2: So David sent and inquired about the woman, And he said, is this not
1: Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now Uriah was one of his trusted, trusted soldiers. So this is the wife of one of his most trusted soldiers. This is the granddaughter of Ahithophel, and Ahithophel was David's one of his most trusted advisors. So it's his granddaughter and the wife of one of his most trusted soldiers. What are you thinking? And the answer is he's not. He's choosing to push away the thought of propriety. Well,
2: he is King Rick.
1: (laughs) And that's the problem. And that's why as we go through this story, we're going to continually refer to him as King David. Because Jonathan, one of the problems with temptation is when we start to give into it, it's because we think we're king. And who is <laughs> and who is king in our lives? Our Lord Jesus and
2: our Heavenly Father so, are both kings.
1: <laughs> so we need to be subservient to the true King of our lives, not to the false king, which is ourselves. So there was the selfish feeding of lust here, the throwing away of caution, righteousness, and just basic decency. What does David do? 2 Samuel 11, verses 4 and 5.
2: David sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, "'I am pregnant.'"
1: So, obviously, a little bit of time goes by here, okay? You know, you, you know, in Bible stories, you know, in one sentence, you can cover years sometimes. This covers—you <laughs> yeah, can, true. and you have to be careful of that. And, you know, this obviously covers several months. But the damage that King David had now done was very deep, okay? It was humiliating, and it was overflowing— overflowing with consequences from this act of impropriety that he had and and, you know there's a lot and jonathan here with with this kind of subject matter there's lots of room for comments and conversation and uh, so we really do want to engage our listeners on on things like this
2: and that's a good point rick Uh, be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on both instagram and twitter we have lots of exciting things happening rick trivia tuesdays featuring a not very
1: well-known fact about the bible we also have thankful thursdays which has a different post each week about something we are thankful for and we look forward to hearing from you about what you are most thankful for
2: and to top it off rick we have flashback friday highlights of previous christian questions programs from the archives that you might have missed
1: so jonathan I, I guess the moral of this story is, you know, we we like to have fun with what we talk about. This is a very serious subject, and we're not looking to have fun when we talk about the sin of, of David. But, you know, uh, when, when you've got a Trivia Tuesday, a Thankful Thursday, and a Throwback Friday, just have some fun with it. And, and you know, engage <laughs> yourself in those things along with us. And uh, because when you're when you're enjoying that community and that fellowship, it just helps us to all be stronger in the one hope. And that's so important. So, Let's go to this, Jonathan. This is a great, great quote. I love this quote from James Allen.
2: No temptation can gravitate to a man unless there is that in his heart which is capable of responding to it.
1: That's what makes a temptation a temptation. Is there something in your heart that's capable of responding to this or that thing? And if there is, you need to be clearly on the alert. Again, the the second point here we're discussing is remove yourself from the temptation, and the scripture is resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So resisting and removing ourselves opens the door to preemptive strikes against temptation. David had the opportunity for a preemptive strike when he asked who this woman was. He did. He had a tremendous opportunity. Everything should have told him, no, this is as wrong as wrong can be. We have that same opportunity for that preemptive strike. Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 5.
2: Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry.
1: Okay. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This Colossian scriptures builds right upon that. Set your mind on things above, and as you go down, do what David, do what King David didn't do. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Because all of this is idolatry. And you well, know, well, Rick. Getting to practical,
2: how how do we do that? How do we fill our minds? Uh, I'm thinking, how many days a week do you go to Bible study? How often do you pray? When is your fellowship time to talk about the Lord with others, to stimulate um, spiritual learning? If you're filling yourself with all of that, that is helping you fulfill this Colossian scripture. But if you're just going to church on Sunday and that's it, You're you're opening yourself up to to falling for all kinds of temptation.
1: You know, and and it really does come down to also who do you hang around with outside of the 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 church environment? Do you hang around with people that have higher standards or do you hang around people with the lowest standards? Because we tend to gravitate toward what's around us. So you're right. You know, what are we filling ourselves with? And you don't get it by going to church on Sunday and forgetting about everything for the next six and a half days. You just don't. So to resist, to deal with enticing temptations, it is a decision to submit to God and to resist the devil. It is this decision to recognize potential temptations and remove ourselves from them. So what's our temptation revelation at this point? When
2: temptation remains in your mind, it is at least contained to a degree. When we act on our temptations, the tidal wave of consequences and grief inevitably follow. Only resist, resistance based on submission can avert this storm.
1: Okay, so the thing is, keeping a temptation in your mind is better than acting on it. Now, it's not good to keep it there, but at least if it just stays there, you're not polluting anybody but yourself. And I submit to you that you are polluting yourself by keeping it there. That's right. Okay, you are. Let's, let's not mince words about it. We are polluting ourselves if we keep it there, but at least you're not acting on it. That's, it's not the ideal. It's kind of like uh, Ulysses, you know, tying himself to the mask, like, um, you know, okay, I'll, I, I, want, I want a taste. See, keeping it in your mind is like having a taste. It's not great, but at least it's better than. It's a start. It's a start for, for backing away from it. Um, only resistance based on uh, submission, Submission to the will of God and resisting the devil can avert the storm. So that's through the first two points of, um, you know, submitting to God, resisting the devil, he will flee from you. What's the third point from the uh, WikiHow article, How to Deal with Temptation? Well, Rick, it's be honest. Simple. There is such power in those two little words. And the James scripture fits so well into that. It's draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We don't draw near to God by trying to pull one over on the Almighty God. No way. You draw near to God by laying your heart before him. Look, he knows anyway. There's nothing we can hide from him. So by having that honesty before God, it gives us the opportunity for him to come near to us. And that's how you can get the strength, Jonathan, to overcome these temptations, is to let God come near to you. Giving in to temptation steals our minds towards denial and cover-up. And now we end up living by lies. And that's what King David did. Okay? So, he has sex with Bathsheba, one of his best uh, soldier's wives, and the granddaughter of one of his very, 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 very closest advisors. And she is pregnant. He's got a problem. Now, you can come clean with the problem, or you can cover it up. King David, because he's king, chose to cover it up. Second Samuel 11, verses 6 through 9. Then
2: David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people and the state of the war. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet, And Uriah went out of the king's house, and a present from the king was sent out after him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all his servants and his lord, and did not go down to his house.
1: So King David's plan would fail. He brought Uriah back from the front to ask him how the war is going. No, he didn't do that. He brought Uriah back from the front so he could have Uriah go in to see his wife and have sex with her so he could cover up the pregnancy. That's what he did. It was, all a, that was, it was all a sham. It was all denial. And Uriah is a man of honor. King David's plan would, of course, fail. For true honor and courage, do not play temptation's games. And it's interesting, Jonathan, Uriah is the one with the great honor and the great he courage. Is. Not the king. It's Uriah, right. the, the soldier. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, okay, where do I live? Is it in the treacherous lair? Of my own desires, or is it in God's protective shadow? Where do I live when it comes to the temptations uh, in, in in my life? Where does my honor and courage come from? Psalm ninety one, one through four.
2: He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you shall seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark.
1: So, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High is in the shadow of the Almighty. And Jonathan, when you're in somebody's shadow, nobody can see you. Nice. (laughs) So, if we abide in the shadow of the Almighty we can literally hide away from the temptations that surround us because that's the only safe place.
2: Uriah was a man of integrity. Yes, with.
1: he was. And, 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 and the, the difference between Uriah and David, King David comes out dramatically over and over again in, the, in this story. But we need to hide in the shadow of the Almighty, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. That's the only safe place in dealing with our temptations. So what's our temptation revelation on this point of being honest and drawing near to God and having Him draw near to us?
2: Giving in to temptation only produces lies, deceit, and misery, while seeking God's sacred presence right here and now produces a fortress of protection and righteousness.
1: Okay, so take your time and choose. You want lies, deceit, and misery, or a fortress of protection and righteousness? Let me see a fortress a fortress <laughs> <laughs> lies deceit and misery fortress of protection and righteousness uh think about it be careful go slow i mean come on <laughs> you know here's the thing the choice is stark and the answer should be obvious you're
2: right but it is ever too late what happens when we allow ourselves to start down the road of temptation are we doomed to fail
0: Join our conversation by messaging us through the Christian Questions app. Download it now in your app store. Just search Christian Questions, then give us your thoughts on this and future episodes. Now, let's take a CQ deep dive.
1: So are we doomed to fail? Well, while the road of temptation is certainly a treacherous one, it does not take away our ability to choose or to change. Now, having said that, it does make our ability to choose and change much more difficult For the humiliation factor grows ever stronger, and all we want to do is bury our actions. And Jonathan, that is one of the real, utter tragedies of falling into temptation and getting sucked into it and and acting on it. Then we want to hide it. And each day, each minute that goes by... The tendency to want to bury it further and further gets stronger and stronger. And it is a self-destructive pattern that has incredible, incredible force if we are not careful. We need to be just on our guard excessively uh, in, in relation to this. So l- let's go back to our, our Greek mythology story about the sirens, these, these, these evil creatures that would sing with these incredibly beautiful voices and appear to be so beautiful that men would essentially give their lives away because they'd be so attracted to them. What happens next in relation to to that, in in relation to the lessons and the story, the mythological story?
3: Like the the image I have is of an alcoholic who says, hey, what are you drinking? No, like no, I'm just smelling, I'm not drinking it at all. That's right, but why? If you know that this is not going to be good for you, why in the world would you expose yourself to it? Well, no. I have my friend here and my friend's not going to let me drink. That's the beginning of wisdom because you know yourself, but it's not full wisdom. Because why? Because I'm opening myself to the possibility. How many times do you and I find ourselves doing that? It's even wiser to do what Ulysses' men did. What they did was they they stopped their ears up. And that image for us is um, we see temptation actually walk away. It's really actually a possibility. I don't know if you realize this, that when you and I face temptation, one of the possible responses is to get up and walk, is to leave the room, is to get up and walk away from temptation. That's a possibility in virtually every single temptation you have. Oh,
1: Good.:
2: ahead. Well, I, you know, it made me think of Joseph. Remember, um, he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Yes. While Potiphar was away, she wanted... Joseph, and he walked away uh, the first time, but she was persistent. And then he ended up running away the last time. Right, um, <laughs> But that's the, that's the action he took, and that's a good step.
1: Right. There was no entertaining. There was no thinking about it. There was no weighing the consequences. Well, maybe, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Look, run away. If it's wrong, there, 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 there is no middle road here. There is no middle road, and when we start walking down the middle road, Jonathan, you are not on one side or the other, and inevitably, the emotional drag from temptation is going to get to you, and that's the thing. Temptation never stops because it's emotional. You know, our emotions never stop. They never do. Our (laughs) our thinking, we can turn it off. Our good sense, we can ignore it. Emotions, they're always, always going to be there. So let's get to the fourth point from the "How to Deal with Temptation" article from WikiHow. And what is the fourth point?
2: Visualize yourself resisting temptation.
1: So you know you're seeing it come about, and you say, "Okay, I'm 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 creating the picture in my mind." And this is effective thinking. This is in in another way. Um, this is called bench racing, where you're sitting there on the bench before the race or before the event, and you're visualizing how it's supposed to go. Visualize yourself going the other direction from the temptation as it's coming up. It's very, very important to do that. And the interesting thing about the James scripture is it's talking about, okay, well, if you fall a little bit, what do you do? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Clean it up immediately. Don't stop. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200, you know, the old Monopoly game. But just go the other direction. If we don't, Jonathan, we go back to King David, Deceit can only produce more deceit. The temptation to cover up becomes an obsession, an evil, dark, miserable, damaging, explosive obsession. 2nd Samuel chapter 11 verses 10 to 13 and Jonathan this is where the the story I mean it, it's just it goes from bad to worse now 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 Uriah remember had honor he wouldn't go and sleep with his wife uh and and David gets wind of it like okay wait my plan has failed so now what is what does David do you know he finds out that Uriah is is staying faithful to his promise to be you know a, a faithful soldier 2nd Samuel 11 10 to 13
2: now when they told David saying Uriah did not go down to his house. David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? But your life is and the life of your soul, I will
1: not do this thing. You know, it's so powerful the way Uriah describes it. He is looking up to King David. He's looking at him as his ruler, as his captain. And he's saying, My Lord, King David, he said, The rest of the soldiers are out in the fields. They're sleeping in tents. I am one of them. While I'm here, I am still one of them. And by your life, O king, By your soul, O king, I will not violate my promise to be a fellow soldier with the rest of the army. Wow. (laughs) Courage and, and power and passion, and he's honoring David by saying this. Now, David wants him to have no honor because David has no honor at this point in his life. So, what does David do? King David do, verses 12 and 13 of Second Samuel 11.
2: Then David said to Uriah, stay here today also, and tomorrow I will let you go. Now David called him, and he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his bed with his Lord's servants but he did not go down to his house.
1: So David is determined. He is blind. He is absolutely blind to honor. He can't see it. He can't feel it. He can't touch it. He doesn't even. He doesn't even know where it lives anymore. So he figures, okay, look, stay today and tomorrow, and let's party in between. So, <laughs> and so he gets Uriah drunk, figuring, okay, if this man is so honorable. I'll get him to a point where he is not able to think as clearly as he was thinking. Then I'll go home and I'll lie with his wife and everything will be fine. You think about it. He is not only trying to cover up his own uh, uh, sins and his own uh, deceptive actions and his own breaking of their, their, their marriage and their lives, but he is trying to make Uriah violate that which he sees to be so sacred in his own heart and mind. King David's power, position, and persistence were no match for simple, godly honor. And that's what Uriah had. And Jonathan, high character will always crush low desire. A high character, a character that is godly and focused, will crush the lowest of desires every time if that character is true through and through. So the question we have to ask ourselves is if we are in a testing time or an experience temptation enticing temptation with grave consequences we need to turn the reins of that experience over to our father lest we bury ourselves even deeper in sin and that's exactly what king david did so let's go now to first corinthians 10 13 which is actually our theme scripture for today's podcast
2: no temptation has overtaken you but such is common to man and god is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to
1: endure it. Okay, so again, no temptation. That's that same word, lead us not in temptation. You know, that's that same word that we started out with. Even though we're subject to the same temptations as everyone else, and, and that's the, to me, Jonathan, this is one of the most encouraging points of this whole conversation, is that, The scripture says, no temptation is taking you, but such as is common to man. So in other words, look, you're a regular person, and it's okay to be a regular person. You're going to be subject to the same difficulties, which means you can fall the same ways. Now, that's not so comforting. A lot of times we think, well, hey, I'm a Christian, so I'm different. Yeah, well, you know what? Your Christianity, if it's real true Christianity, is different. But you have to grow into that Christianity. You're not automatically different because you name the name of Christ. And we have to remember that in our daily lives. So even though we're subject to the same temptations as everyone else, we have hope and a promise to deal with those temptations. Play and replay these things again in your mind, again and again and again and again. We have hope and a promise. God is faithful. He won't allow it to go further than you're capable of. He will provide a way of escape.
2: And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Well, if we're to follow in his footsteps, we're to overcome the worldly desires the same way he did. We're going to make mistakes and fall, but we need to keep getting up and and eventually overcome those things so we can prove our loyalty and our faithfulness to him.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly those are the footsteps that's the pattern that's the template that's the way we're supposed to go and the interesting thing is jonathan you know there there is no other other template or pattern laid out for us in the scriptures the apostle paul says you know follow me as as, i
2: follow christ jesus
1: right so it's always the same it's always the same uh, high standard that helps to keep us from temptation. So, again, the point from the How to Deal with Temptation article is to visualize yourself resisting temptation. The point from the G- James scripture is, okay, if you've begun to fall or you're, you're thinking about it, cleanse your hands, you sinners. In other words, wash it off of you immediately. And, and, and that's like you said with the example of Joseph earlier. Walk away, then run away. The key word in both of those phrases is away. (laughs) Don't stay, walk away. What's our temptation revelation here?
2: Once we have stepped into temptation, the choices that it presents us with become grimmer. God promised us his care and to run to him while difficult is our best choice.
1: Okay. It's our best choice always to rely on God's care. No matter what happens, no matter what the situation, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, no matter how diabolical our own actions have been, some point, Jonathan, you have to just stop. Stop it dead in its tracks and say, I have to recoup. I have to go back. I've got to go the other direction. I cannot continue going down this particular road. It is not acceptable. And it's, it's a matter of turning our mind back on to spiritual things even when we have fallen into those deep, dark, earthly things.
2: Rick, there's a lot of material here, a lot of points to remember. Best way to remember them is sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition at christianquestions.com. Hit the newsletter sign up tab, and uh, it's amazing. It's full of graphics, illustrations. It really brings this subject alive when you go through it and you can listen to the program at the same time and You'll be doubly blessed.
1: You know, and Jonathan, the interesting thing about Your Rewind, the full edition, it's a free service. And we've had over the years, folks from all over the world actually ask us if, hey, can I use this as a, as a, as a template for our, our Sunday school lessons or for this study or for that study? And it, and that's what it's there for, because it puts the scriptures together in a way that makes them simple to follow and easy to understand. So try it out, folks. If you don't already have it, Your Rewind, the full edition, uh, again, a free service. Uh, we got some really great quotes in today's uh, podcast on you know dealing with enticing temptations this is a great great quote i love this one from robert orban most people would
2: like to be delivered from temptation but would like to keep it in touch
1: all right they want to keep in touch with it okay okay i'll walk away from you keep in touch you know we'll we'll talk later i'll text you you know and and that is the diabolical nature of temptation is if we don't cut it off at the root, what we're saying is it'll grow back. You know, you can you can chop it off, Jonathan. And say okay, that's enough. You know, uh, have you ever dealt with like sumac trees, gr- vines growing on trees? Oh yeah. You know, and you can you can cut them, and you know what happens next year? They're back. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> and and have you ever tried to pull them up by the roots? I can't
2: get that close.
1: Yeah, well, I've tried it. And their roots go everywhere. And That's just like temptation. It's got this incredible root system. And if we want to be serious about being faithful to following in Jesus' footsteps, we better start working on the roots of those things. So that brings us to the next point. Article from that article, How to Deal with Temptation. Point number five is what?
2: Think of the long-term consequences.
1: And okay, what are the long-term consequences from James chapter 4 purify your hearts and you, and purify I'm sorry, purify your hearts you double-minded. Double-mindedness is a symptom of falling into temptation. The darkness of a mind overtaken in temptation and bent on deception cannot be overstated. King David his mind went so utterly dark because uriah was too honorable here's what he does next second samuel eleven fourteen to 16.
2: now in the morning david wrote a letter to joab and sent it by hand of uriah and he had written in the letter saying place uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die so it was as joab kept watch on the city that he put Uriah at the place where he knew there were valiant men.
1: So King David has utterly lost his way in his obsession to protect his personal power and reputation. He's completely lost it. And now because all of his other uh, fabrications didn't work, he figures, oh, I'll just murder the guy. But I'll make it look like it was a battle uh, of casualty. I mean, how low do you go King David, a man after God's own heart. How low do you go here? So when we look at ourselves, Jonathan, the necessary long-term purification of our minds can only come to us through humility. And that's what King David did not have at this point in his life. There was no humility here. There was only seeking to cover up those things which he had done, which were all wrong. And each wrong he next did, he next participated in, made the previous wrong that much bigger and that much uglier. And that's where he was heading.
2: What, What was Joab thinking when the king gave him that order? You're right. You're right. You want me to put him to death right here and now on the you know, he's like, is he going to do that to me if I do something wrong? Yeah, he, you know, Can he, you
1: imagine? Yeah, he must be wondering, like, well, what did he do? He must have done exactly. something terrible to you. No, David's the yeah. one who did something terrible to him. You're right, it's 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 completely off. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 8.
2: Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of a sober spirit, be on the alert, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour.
1: He's waiting for us. Temptation is waiting for us. Therefore, cast our anxiety. Throw it on him. What's our temptation revelation here?
2: Succumbing to temptation fixes our minds on the immediate circumstance. We must refix our minds on the big picture and forcefully cast our issues to our benevolent father
1: forcefully cast our issues to our benevolent father what we're saying is that we really have to force the issue force it
2: i think you're right visualizing and thinking are good mental preparation but how do we actually avoid temptation?
0: every episode we cover a lot of ground part of gathering all the information and drawing conclusions is having a thorough conversation thanks to all our listeners for all your feedback every week rick and jonathan want to hear more comments and questions talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com through all our social media channels and download our app by searching christian questions in your app store now since we have puzzle pieces everywhere let's put those pieces together
1: so, Jonathan, as with every other challenge in life, facing and defeating temptation comes down to being pressed into action. Whether it is firmly redirecting our thoughts or it is stopping or avoiding what we are doing or what we can do, decisive action is ultimately the only way to defuse and defeat temptation. Decisive action is the only way to defuse and defeat temptation there is no half steps there are no half measures there is no i'll chip away at it you have to be decisive or you will sink and that's the that's the hard hard truth about dealing with temptation
2: and isn't that what jesus did in the wilderness get thee behind me satan
1: you know he he not only did that but his answers to satan were scripture so he answered him with, a, with an authority that was higher than his own. And his final words were to, to you know, leave me. I'm done. Th- th- this is not acceptable. Moving away from it. Decisive action is ultimately the only way to defeat and defuse temptation. One more quote, Jonathan. This is from Billy Sunday.
2: Temptation is the devil looking through the keyhole Yielding is opening the door and in-
1: okay, opening the door and inviting him. You got cut off there for a minute there, Jonathan. Um, so. We're, we're looking at the, the pieces that go into making sure that we don't succumb to temptation. How do I deal with enticing temptations? There are several steps that we put in place. And again, Q Rewind, the full edition, helps to, you to remember these steps because they're so, so important. The sixth step from the article, How to, to Deal with Temptation from WikiHow, is what? Distract yourself. Okay, simple. Distract. Do something else. And the verse from James uh, chapter 4 is pretty interesting. Jonathan, what is the verse?
2: Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom.
1: And you say, well, boy, well, that's a distraction all right, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But see, what that is, Jonathan, is that's putting yourself in the serious mindset of saying, I can't, I can't violate God's trust in me. Be miserable and mourn and weep when we have violated God's trust in us. We should be miserable and mourn and weep. We 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 need to to show God that we are sorry for such things. Now King David was not sorry. He was still bent on hiding what he had done. King David's distraction techniques. You know, you said that the point was to distract yourself. His distraction techniques were to cover up his wrong and to and, and not to change his own heart. He was set on a path that could not be broken until a little bit later. But let's go, go down this destruction and distraction pathway of King David. 2 Samuel 11, uh, selected verses of 17 to 25.
2: The men of the city went out and fought, and some of David's servants fell, and Uriah also died. Then Joab sent and reported to David. The messenger said to David, Moreover, the archers shot at your servants from the wall, So some of your king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah is also dead. Then David said to the messenger, Say to Joab, do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Make your battle against the city stronger and overthrow it, and so encourage him.
1: So so think about this, Jonathan. He gets the report. Joab sends the report, okay, O king, you know, the the battle is over, Uriah is dead, just like you wanted. Now, he doesn't say that in the report to the messenger. But, you know, he does send the report back. And David's words are words of encouragement. He says, "Oh, okay, tell Joab, you know, buck up, son, it's okay. That's what happens in battle. People die, you know, get over it and move on. You're doing a good job. So instead of mourning, all that David had broken, had shattered, had utterly destroyed, david issues hollow words of encouragement to continue his cover-up and and
2: rick i can see king david saying it's over yeah i'm good now
1: yeah yeah no worries no worries he he, i mean i I don't even want to list out all the sins here i don't want to list out all of the and and jonathan these are not sins by accident These are sins on purpose because the temptation was so strong that the next temptation could not be overcome and the next one would not be overcome and the next one would not be overcome. For us, mastering temptation only comes through strong and serious focus upon God's way. Folks, that's it. There there is no middle ground. You and I are not strong enough to reason ourselves through temptation. We are only strong enough when we use God's reasoning and Christ-like thinking to get us through temptation. Amen. Okay? James chapter 1, verses 12 to 16. And, and remember, we started out with verse 13 here. Remember, in, the, in that comparison of verses, you know, this is the verse that says God can't be, uh, isn't going to tempt anyone. You put the whole context out here. And it really tells a very powerful story about dealing with temptation uh, in our lives. James 1, 12 to 16.
2: Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone.
1: Okay. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Now think about it, Jonathan, persevering under trial doesn't mean that you're having victory after victory after victory.
2: No, it doesn't.
1: Persevering means sometimes you fall down and you have to get back up and you fall down and you have to get back up, and you fall down and you have to get back up. And you, and you, up. And, you know it reminds me, just just a quick sidelight, there's a, a small book um, in a series of books that I really, really enjoy. It's called "The Race." And it's about a little boy who runs in a race with all these other kids of the same age as he and you know all these people are around and they're cheering and he's running with all of his might and he falls down in the race and he decides I'm going to get up and he gets up and he tries to get back into the race and he's finally catching up to the last people in the race and he falls down again and he says okay, okay okay I can do this I can do this and he gets up and now he's tired and he's now dirty and he keeps running and he keeps running and he falls again and he gets up and he finishes the race and he comes in not just last but he comes in miserably last. But he finished the race. And the applause when he came across the finish line was greater than for the one who won the race. And when his dad talked to him after the race, you know, he's discouraged. And his dad said, I saw a young man have a victory today. You know, you didn't win that race, but you, it was winning the race against yourself. And it's okay to fall. Just get up. I mean, that's the that's the point here. That's the point. So, um, let's see. Okay, we're in the middle of the James scripture. I think we stopped in the middle, right? That's right. I completely lost my place. Okay, let's go back to James. So, you know, the idea, persevering under trial. James chapter 1, now 14 through 16.
2: But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren.
1: All right, so we look at this and we say that, okay, when you're tempted, you're carried away. And what are you carried away by? Your own desire. That's what takes you away. And when lust has that ability to to create something, what it gives birth to is sin. And when sin accomplishes, when it's accomplished, what does it bring forth? death. So don't be deceived. This is a battle of life and death, our battle to fight against temptation. And all of these steps, Jonathan, are so important for us to be able to do that.
2: And Rick, being followers of Christ, we're being tested for eternal faithfulness to God. To be found worthy, uh, we will receive immortality, deathlessness, uh, to help bless all the families of the earth. Uh, Many are called, but few are chosen. So we must be tested.
1: And, 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 and so that gives m- much more of an eternal bent on it's not just about now. It's about what we're called to be and to do for others as well. So sometimes we don't do things for the sake of ourselves, but we'll do them for the sake of others. Yes. Well, if that's what it takes, then, then that's how you deal with the temptations in your life. So what, what is the temptation revelation here?
2: The results of feeding temptation are starkly evil. But the results of fighting temptation are dramatically glorious.
1: Okay, again, here's a choice. Starkly evil, dramatically glorious. Starkly <laughs> evil, dramatically glorious. Just take your time. I mean, you got to think about it, Jonathan. Those, that's how you overcome it. There's no middle ground. Don't give yourself a middle ground. Focus on the greatness of... Of, of, of what it takes to follow, to follow after God through Christ. Okay, let's go to, back to the uh, Ulysses and the story of the sirens and, and this, this incredible temptation from these evil, evil creatures. Because there is a third way to fight temptation. Remember the first way, they put the beeswax in their ears so they couldn't hear. Good choice. The second way, tie yourself so you won't act on it, but you'll listen. Not a good choice. The third way is the best choice. Let's listen.
3: Ulysses saw the illusion, but the men saw the truth. His sailors saw the truth. Why? Because they weren't even toying with the idea. But there's a third way. There's a third way to deal with the sirens, then that was Jason and the Argonauts. It's a whole different story. But Jason and the Argonauts, they had to pass by the sirens as well. Jason was traveling with a guy named Orpheus. Orpheus was an incredible singer. He played the lyre, like basically an ancient guitar, right? And as they're sailing by, rowing by the sirens, and their sirens are calling out to them, what Jason and his crew did was they had Orpheus sing. and Orpheus's singing, his music was incredibly beautiful. It was truly beautiful. It was truly good. And they filled their ears, they filled their minds, they filled the whole ship with the true song of Orpheus, with the beautiful song of Orpheus. They didn't want to dive off and pursue the illusion. Why? Because they were filled with the true, with the good, with the beautiful.
1: Isn't that, that's a great analogy, and in, in terms of putting this all in perspective, and uh, we appreciate uh, the bringing that uh, that story out. Fill yourself with that which is good and glorious, and from God. I mean, that's the the, the point, and that brings us to the last point in this um, article of how to deal with temptation from WikiHow. And what's the seventh point? Do not give yourself a choice. There you have it. Don't give yourself a choice. And from James chapter 4, it's humble yourself in the presence of God and he will exalt you. Humble and be exalted. That's the choice. That's the only place we should go. David, King David, finally came to a humbling, but it wasn't of his own accord. He needed God's prophet to come and see him. His humbling finally came as a result of God's hand heavily dealing with him. And he would have no choice. So we're going to have to paraphrase a little bit of 2nd Samuel chapter 12 uh, verses 1 through 9.
2: Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor.
1: Now, now he tells the story of the rich man taking the poor man's lamb to feed the people who were coming to visit him. Now, he's telling the story as though it actually really happened. Okay, so he tells the story, and this poor man had this only lamb uh, in his whole house, and, and you know he's saying, and this rich man just took, you know, just took it, just plucked it away from him so he could feel, feed the, the, the people that were coming to visit. So he tells this story, and what's King David's reaction? Because he's now the judge of people here, and he's being king. What's his reaction?
2: Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die
1: so david makes the proclamation of sentence and he says this is what i proclaim by the name of god this is what i proclaim what does nathan say to david
2: nathan said to david you are the man thus says the lord god of israel it is i who anointed you king over israel i gave you the house of israel and Judah." And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight?
1: And, you know, we, we cut a lot of, out of that, that verse. You know, he says, you know, I gave you, I gave you riches, I gave you all these things. And I would have added more if you wanted more. Why have you chosen to do evil in my sight? You are that Man, and, and Jonathan, there's a powerful lesson here, and that lesson is, it's so much easier for us to see the evil of someone else's actions, rather than to see the evil of ours. How true. Sometimes we need a Nathan in our lives that has the courage to say, thou art the man. And David responded, he, it finally he finally got to a point where he's got God's prophet looking him in the eye, and probably pointing right at him, saying... You have done evil. Why have you done such evil in God's sight? David changed. David repented. And God was able to forgive him. God can change us and will change us as long as we become willing to receive that change. And that, again, it's another key. We have to be willing to receive the change. And after all that David had done, he was, in fact, willing to receive that change. Last scripture, Jonathan James 1, 17-18.
2: Every good thing, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be kind of a first fruits among His creatures.
1: Every good thing comes from above, from the Father of lights. And the beauty is there is no variation in God. He is always the same. So, It says, in the exercise of his his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Therefore, we have something that we can take great uh, solace in. It's the word of truth, that unchanging word of truth that can deliver us through temptation. What's our final temptation revelation here?
2: God's power can and will overwhelm temptation in any stage if we would only let it. We simply need the humility, Focus and passion to let him overrule our experiences.
1: So, how do we deal with enticing temptations? What do we do? How do we act? What do we think about? And, Jonathan, it really is very, very simple in terms of of steps. You know, if we go back through those steps, from that uh, that article, it's recognize potential temptation, which is submit therefore to God. The second step is remove yourself from temptation. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. The third step is to be honest. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The fourth step, visualize yourself resisting temptation. And for us, it's cleanse your hands, oh you sinners. The fifth step, think of long-term consequences. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Six, distract yourself, be miserable, mourn and weep. And the seventh step, don't give yourself a choice. Humble yourself before God. Folks, temptation is alive and well in our lives. Do what you must, not what you can, do what you must to fight it so that we can stand for things that are good and righteous and godly in a world that is dark and dark and miserable. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed talking to you about the very important subject of temptation. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, deal with those enticing temptations. Think about it. And remember, folks, we love hearing from you. Let us know what you thought. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Leave us a message. We'll be back next week.